The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Shadows. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined as always by Jim Clark. What's going on, everybody? Jim, today is a big deal. Today's a special episode. Um, We didn't really prep too much about, you know, ahead of time to, to kind of let our guests know how important this is to us, really. But really, it's almost like we're having the godfather of this podcast on the show. Kind of, essentially. Like, seriously, yeah. like this show doesn't exist without this man's work. And yeah, our listeners know that this podcast is a mostly 80s horror podcast in which, you know, being inspired by the documentary In Search of Darkness, we decided to watch them all, right? I've seen a bunch. Yeah. You've seen few of them, not many. Um, but we decided, let's do it. Let's go in order. Let's do each year and watch them. And in the in-between... You know, when they'd have these little vignettes in between each year, uh, we'll do whatever we want. We'll, we'll watch movies from the 20s. We'll watch Rob Zombie movies. We'll watch whatever we want. Yep. Um, so without further ado, I mean, it is my absolute honor to welcome to the show the director, the writer, the creator of In Search of Darkness, David Weiner. Hello, gentlemen. You guys, uh, I, I don't even know what to say. The godfather of your show. <laughs> I, I am honored and I, and I am humbled that you created a whole podcast uh, motivated by by the films that are in In Search of Darkness. Uh, also, you said creator, but I must uh, interject real quick that the creator of this entire series, all credit goes to Robin Block, gotcha. executive producer of uh, all these films, the In Search uh. of Darkness films, In Search of Tomorrow, In Search of the Last Action Heroes. Uh, I would not be here if it were not for Robin Block. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll take a smidge of credit. <laughs> That's great. Well, well hey, you, very special thank you to Robin Block. Yes, hundred percent. all here to have that idea, right? That that idea to kick this off and actually put you in a place where you can do this, where you can write and direct for these documentaries. It's it is it's a huge deal for us because you know I'm a little bit older than Jim. I I grew up. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I was younger watching these things in the 80s. I wasn't old enough to understand what I was watching. But in the 90s, I used to grow, I, I used to watch these Saturday morning after or Saturday afternoon movies that showed a lot of these old 80s movies. And that's how I really came to fall in love with 80s horror and, and not just the, the top billing 80s, but stuff like Basket Case, you know, the ones where you're just typically that's not your go to when you went to the video store. So when I saw this documentary was, was coming out, it was like, it's a no brainer. I have to own this. I had no clue. It was going to be four hours, four hours and 40 something minutes. I think the first one, (laughs) but I had no problem with that. I was just like like, catching people by surprise that way. (laughs) I seriously felt like a kid in a candy shop that was given my mom's credit card and said, go do what you want. Like, it was like, this is probably the most amazing in-depth horror documentary, eighties horror documentary I've ever seen. And I told everybody about it. I'm like, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. Second one came out. Same thing. 
was excited to get it. You know, Jim and I were, have been friends and we talked about it and I got him to check them out. And then I said, we got to do this, man. Let's do a podcast you know, and let's do this. You, you finally came to me and said, Hey, Dave, have you checked this out? And I said, no, I haven't. Um, at the time I was trying to limit my TV watching. Um, but watching the documentary, obviously four hours and then picking up the podcast has completely ruined that. So yeah, thank you for that, Chris, for the better, for the better, for the better, <laughs> but this is why it's a big deal. So, so, um, David, You've been in the industry for a while. I was reading some of your uh, some of the, your background. I saw that you know you worked for Entertainment Tonight for a number of years. You've worked mm-hmm. on movie sets. You've worked on you know in different production piece parts of the production. Where so was this always something you've always wanted to do to write and direct, or was this something where you're just like you know what, let me give my let me let me try that, or did somebody come to you and say, hey, would you be interested in doing this? Uh, well, and anyone who wants to write and or direct a movie has this dream that someone is going to walk up with a silver platter and say, here's the movie I want you to direct and yeah. do it the way you want to do it. Uh, we all we all dream of that at night uh, and we dream of that during the day. And we, in fact, I'm daydreaming about that right now. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where we, yeah, I, I went to film school in Ithaca, upstate New York. And I oh, studied okay. Film, oh, theory, okay. film theory and film production. And, and as soon as I graduated uh, in four years, mind you, back in the day when people did things in four years mm-hmm. in undergrad, mm-hmm. uh, I aimed my car west uh, and went straight to Los Angeles. In fact, I actually got a taste of being in Los Angeles uh, uh, between my sophomore and my junior year, I had an internship at Disney, uh, at Disney Studios. And uh, that kind of confirmed to me that I really indeed wanted to be out in Los Angeles and work on movies. And so um, without giving you the whole tale of my life, I did head out to Los Angeles with big dreams of, of directing movies. But the reality comes in is that, oh, okay, wait, no one's handing me a movie to direct on that certain <laughs> platter. What do I do now? Uh, and, uh, the long and short of it is that my first goal was to just be on movie sets, to run around and be someone important on, on movie sets. And so I, and when I say I want to be important, not like me, 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 but I wanted to be a value. I didn't right. want to be just like an afterthought. I wanted to be a, a crucial element of the crew. And uh, I really enjoyed being an assistant director, mostly, uh, uh, running around, managing, uh, whether it was working with the schedule, uh, working on set with talent, working with the rest of the crew, you're kind of like the coordinator on, on the set, essentially. Uh, and you run around with the walkie-talkie, and you're you know, rolling in cut, and you think that's super cool. Um, but at a certain point, you realize, wait a minute, an assistant director actually isn't going to be a path to being a director. It's more a path to being a producer or a coordinator or a production manager. And that was kind of the time where I decided, you know what, uh, maybe I either have to re, re sort of redirect my, my trajectory if I want to direct movies, or I have to uh, take a real sort of long, hard look at what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Because now that I understand what I want to do and what I don't want to do and how I have to make my own opportunities, uh, I kind of had to sort of reset things. So um and I, I won't be doing all the talking, although I'm capable of doing it. <laughs> oh, no um, worries at all. No worries at all. But, you but said the the, ultim- well, sorry, I'll just ahead. say the other the sort of setup to the answer of your question is I, I decided that I didn't want to be on a, a movie set standing 12 to 20 hours a day 
for the rest of my life. So after about four years, I said I need to get into development so I could follow the path of a script, see how a script gets made in the studio system. And that might me give me a little more of an insight as to how I can get my own, my own movies made someday. And I started writing my own scripts to make my own opportunities. And that was a long time ago. Nice. You said the why of it, like you had to reevaluate the why as to why you were doing this. Is this something that you've always wanted to do as a kid, like watching movies? You said you want to do it as your family. Like, like where does this come from, this drive uh, to want to be in, in, the, in the film industry? It's a creative drive. Uh, and uh, my family has never been in the entertainment industry. I grew up in, on the East Coast in, in New York. I have Midwestern parents. Uh, but my dad was a very creative type. He was, he was literally a madman. You know, Mad Men, he was like mm-hmm. on Madison Avenue in in uh, advertising and, and marketing and, and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, but I am literally one of those many, many kids who who saw a little movie called Star Wars. Oh, and that yeah. changed everything. And, and the story that I uh, am part of a chorus of is that I walked. It, I always loved Star Trek. I loved Planet of the Apes. I loved sci fi uh, and I love movies. But the difference was, is I went to go see Star Wars in the theater when I was nine years old in 77. And um, I, I walked out an entirely different person because the difference was, is I wanted to, I felt so exhilarated. I wanted other people to feel the way I felt. And I thought, how do I do that? How do I make my Star Wars? How do I do this? I wanted to know, I wanted to peek behind the curtain. Uh, and, and that really, and that's like the long answer, but it's answering your question that that, that may put me on a path of saying, I'm interested in how movies are made. I'm in, interested in how this stuff is, is, is created and comes from an idea and then ends up being the most entertaining thing I saw on a, on a screen. Um, that's how it all comes together this way. And that, that sort of put me on the trajectory that I'm on today. And then fast forward, you must be stoked that not a, not only did you get to do a horror doc- documentary, but now you're also in production of In Search of Tomorrow, which is the sci-fi version of In Search of Darkness. Indeed. So uh, this is this. It's almost like a full circle. Now you're <laughs> now you're you're able to jump into it. Yeah, I've always been into this stuff. You know, you asked, you know, from as a kid, was I into it? I, I read Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I loved that because not only was it cool monster movie pictures, but it, it talked about the the you know the actors, the crafts, the 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 way this stuff was made even before I was watching Star Wars. So I was getting a taste of that. This is a job that people had, uh, and it's something that, that could be done. And, uh, and I never, while I always loved horror, I always loved sci-fi. I always loved fantasy. Uh, I never wanted to pick one. I never, I never said, this is who I am and my, my identity. That's fine. If, if, if you want to choose one genre and that, that is who you are to me, it had to do with imagination and great storytelling. And so to end up actually running famous monsters of Filmland as the uh, editor in chief of that, was just mind blowing and just strange. The fact that I loved it as a kid, but that that's a whole other yeah. many stories. Yeah. It's a whole other path, but but it it basically shows that I really love a multiple genres as long as it has to do with imagination. So whether someone like Robin Block hands me a movie about '80s horror on a silver platter to make, or then mm-hmm. after that, as I'm doing it, he's like, "Oh, 
you, you love sci-fi and you'd be perfect for this. You want to do sci-fi too. It's just like, you know, twist my arm. Of yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it feels, it feels like, yeah, there, there, the seventies, eighties, I mean, sixties and fifties have its own, its own kind of nostalgia feel to them, but like seventies, eighties and nineties, even right. It's, it's this golden era of everything that just kind of comes together with that pop culture, MTV generation that you're right. It's there are people who identify solely in certain genres, but there are, I think there's more people like you and myself, Jim, where, you know, it's, it's sci-fi, it's comics, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's horror, it's action. You, you just it, games, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Well, you talk, you talk to people like I talk to people like John Landis or Joe Dante or John Carpenter. Uh, I, uh, you know, another pinch me privilege of my no job kidding. is I yeah. get to hang out with all these guys and, <laughs> and, and, and I, I see that they're just like me, or mm-hmm. perhaps I'm just like them in that, uh, as they were very impressionable kids with, with incredible imaginations. And, and it doesn't matter what era you're talking about, you know, John Landis, Joe Dante, John Carpenter, Guillermo del Toro, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, they all wanted to make the movies uh, or a movie version of the stuff that really just moved them when they were kids. Um, and, and there's this sweet spot. There's this age when you're anywhere between about nine and, and 15, perhaps. Oh, yeah. That the movies that you watch, whatever era, whether it's 60s, 70s, 80s, 30s, 50s, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, whether you're Tom Atkins or whether you're, you know, um, somebody young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who's young these days. There's plenty of youngsters, but yeah, uh, right. appreciation for what came before, but whatever comes in front of them, you know, these, these movies really make an impact and, and stick oh, with yeah. these stories. And, and uh, for years and years and years, we don't even realize it when we see these movies, it's just our favorite at the time. But as the time goes by and as we evolve and as we become more mature and as our interests change and as our, as, as the lines get a little deeper in our face, we start to realize what really resonated with us and what was so important to us. And um, to me, I, I always couldn't believe that I, I, I was, I always joked to myself and to friends. I wish I could get paid one day for all the useless <laughs> pop culture factoids that are swimming around in my brain, because I'm clearly doing nothing with it other than just uh, uh, sponge sponging up knowledge of things that are irrelevant. And now that I get to put these four hour opuses together uh, and know what I'm talking about, you know, and bringing people together who know what they're talking about and, and assembling it in some level of coherence to share new information and, and, and reinforce what you guys already know and, and, and just give you a little nostalgia. Maybe you'll learn a little something in the process, remind you about something that you loved Maybe have you some look at something a little differently than you did when you f- first came around. Um, right. These are things that bring me absolute joy with these films. Yeah. I, one of the things I saw on your, your website that I really loved um, was that you consider yourself a curator of nostalgia, that idea <laughs> that like, yes, but these are things. And like you said, no matter what your age group, there's something from the era that hits you in, in that most impressionable time that it becomes that right. And I would, I'd go so far as to say, you know, even if I'm growing up in the eighties, late eighties and early nineties, watching these things, it's the eighties ones that are impressionable and a seventies film or a 1920s film. It'll still have that form of nostalgia for somebody like me at my age now. Um, You know, and to me, that's just, 
when you can have something that that speaks to that it's 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 to me i always feel like it's important because you always want to make sure anybody coming after has an understanding or an appreciation of what came before i think it's i think it's very important to share that and and share share what you loved with the next generation but it's also very important to be mindful that they will never see it the same way you do it's never going to land the same way. Right. They might really love it. And you're hoping that they're going to love it. But all I could say is I've got a 10 year old in the other room who looks at me and says, I know you love it, dad, but I, you know, I'm going to play Roblox now, you know, <laughs> but one day perhaps he'll, he'll recognize how important this stuff was. Um, but I, I got to tell you in terms of the nostalgia element, it's like uh, for me, I, I get absolute joy in being able to find some, nugget of of information whether it's content whether it's a commercial whether it's a toy whether it's a collectible whether it's an ad in a newspaper that people haven't thought about in the longest time you know a trinket that we used to play with uh and i'll just post it on social media i'll throw it on you know my twitter feed or something like that and i get someone saying holy crap i have not thought about that since i was a kid and i had it and my mom threw it out when i was at summer <laughs> camp um <laughs> We all have that story. Oh, right? how and yeah! How many of those things were thrown out by your mom that you're like, oh my god, <laughs> right? if I had she it today. Wait until you're at like day camp and then just like took a box and oh man, I still oh, I yeah. still got a list of stuff I'm looking for. I will so. not forgive her to this day <laughs> as much as I love my mom. So that's the thing, though, is uh, I, I get absolute joy when when this dopiest little thing gets you know recognition from someone who hasn't thought about it in the longest time you know we we all get older we all have responsibilities we, yeah. we ideally are mature where you have to you know nobody wants to do it but we got to pay the bills we got to yeah. you know pay the rent of the mortgage we got to we got to manage our lives but that doesn't mean we can't give up our childhood and, and the joy and happiness that it brought to us. And so when we can have inter- intermittent reminders uh, curated and thrown in our lap and just say, remember this? Yeah. It, it brings it brings a little tear of joy to all of us, I think. Which again, you know, props to Robin, man, for, for putting this together. So, so Creator yeah. VC is this, it's a collective, you said, basically of, of creators around the world. How did yeah, this well, start? Like, where did this come? Who was the, who's create, who's the brainchild? Who's the brain? Who's it's brainchild Robin Block's, it's the name of his company. It's, it's a small oh, it's little all his? gathering. Okay. It's when I say huh. collective, I just say it's, it's a bunch of us that work for Robin's company uh, and we're all around the globe, but there's only, you know, give or take, you know, freelancers. It's only like 10 of us. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we, we convene and, 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 and get these projects off the ground. And there's something to be said for a very small group of very, you know, the talent density is very high. Uh, maybe me not included, but the others that <laughs> I surround myself are, are, are incredibly talented, incredibly driven, and we're all motivated to do something that we love. You know, we're all, we're all essentially, obviously we get, you know, paid for what we do, but we're, we're, we're there because we love it. You know, we, we like to say it's by the fans for the fans, you know, I mean, we, we could be doing other things, but we all work together so well because we all just enjoy this so much. We love the eighties horror movies. We love the eighties sci-fi movies. We love movies in general. We love collectibles. We love video games. We're all a bunch of geeks at heart, but we all also have our own as uh 
certain certain stars will say a particular set of skills and uh <laughs> nice nice yeah yeah, and we, nice. yeah that was that was really badly <laughs> but uh yeah we all get together and we 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 hash these things out and with a lot of passion and i i hope that comes across in the work that we accomplish oh yeah thank god you guys does. do yes absolutely i don't know like, like chris said i don't know what had I not seen this documentary, it wouldn't have opened me up to all these 80s movies. And I thought I was a fan of horror. And then I saw this and I said, I haven't even scratched the surface. Yeah. So getting that, getting that, it feels like a personal lesson from the, you guys to people who appreciate it and were there and lived it. And, and you're spinning it right back to younger generations. You know what I mean? So they're, they're very, they're very difficult just from the, the, the creation of this stuff uh, and, and how it's structured. It's very difficult because you're trying to reach a very specific audience, but a very broad audience within that subgenre of audience at the same time, and mm-hmm. and and you're doomed to lose either way, and and ideally you win a little bit too, you know. So you're always going to get people like I know that I know that film I've seen that I know that mm-hmm. I know all this, impress me, yeah. dazzle oh, yeah. me, give me something new that I don't know. And yeah. they're going to complain about how it's too broad for them or it doesn't go deep enough, you know. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, there's some people who are like, this is way too of a deep dive, way too much information. I only know some of the stuff. It's overwhelming at four and a half hours. I don't know if I need all that stuff. Um, so there's a certain sweet spot, even for these films, of, of, of people who it really connects with and they love it, but are also understanding at the same time that it can't be everything to everybody. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And so that's why I say, you know, I hope you learn something. I hope you get nostalgic. I hope it reminds you about something that you wanted to know more about or wanted to revisit. Uh, but at the very least, it will also reinforce what you already know and hopefully make you feel like you're smart because you are, because you're an audience that loves this stuff and appreciates this stuff. So you're like, oh yeah, I already knew that. You know, Rather than be above it, just say, well, how cool. I already knew that stuff. Maybe I can share that info with, with people or this film with people yeah. or my list with people. And, and you become curators yourself. No, I I do like the fact that you, you know, again, with, with the, the crowdfunding, you're, you're giving it by the fans for the fans and you're asking your fans, what do you want? Right. And I love that on the, on the site, it says, if you want to make a four and a half hour documentary, you're going to, because that's what everybody wants. And I, I remember the first time I'm not a binger. I don't sit down and watch shows after another. I think the longest I'll sit down to watch something is maybe a, a two hour movie, three hours or two and a half starting to push it. I couldn't stop watching that. Like when I saw the first one, I was just like, I can't stop because it's the next year. And I want to see what movies they talk about in the next year. Oh, now it's the next segment. And I want to see what this one is. And it was just, by the time it was done that four hours, it felt like it flew it. That's how good this is put together. Well, all credit to uh, Samuel way, my editor who just makes this stuff fly. And he's just got, he's just got an, an intrinsic sort of, barometer in his brain about how to how to present this stuff really uh efficiently and you know uh, i i script i script this stuff beginning to end so literally you know in addition to outlining it in addition to conducting interviews interviews you know the writing the questions and all that stuff like that uh i structure it where i literally for every single segment for every single chapter i take you know 50 interviews give or take and everything within that interview. And I, I say, where do we want to go with this? What do we have? And what are we talking about? And, and I'll script literally the, every single bite 
to tell a mini story within a segment that tells a little bit about what the movie is about, gives a little behind the scenes anecdotes, maybe some information or, or thematic discussion. Um, but then you're on, you know, because it's three minutes, four minutes, and you're on to the next. So yeah. once you're just sort of just getting into it or getting a little taste of it, we're on to the next. So even if you don't like what we're talking about, you know, you'll ideally like to see what's next. And I think that's what makes people you know, stay and watch this whole thing beginning to end for those who do, be, despite themselves, because they, they, <laughs> we hook them, you know, every time you're like, okay, I got it. Oh, wait, okay. I just need to see one more. I just mm -hmm. need to see one more. Yep. Where, where are we going with this and this year? It's or like one of those all fit together. What does the year look like collectively when you look these movies together? Like those, just those books where you hit the end of that chapter and it leaves you on a cliffhanger. You're like, I can't stop now. Right. See what's happening next. You know, and the next thing you know, three hours has passed by and it's time to go to bed. I was like that with the whole first season of Dexter. I remember when uh, I, I, I came into Dexter late and I remember the, the first season, every every time I was like, I'm just going to watch one episode tonight. <laughs> Four episodes in, I'm like, oh, oh, I need to go to work tomorrow. Stop it. Stop with these cliffhangers at the end of each episode that were so good. Going back to what you said about uh, the way you guys edit it, where you only give, uh, you know, so much here, so much there. Uh, and then you move on to the next one. I. I really appreciate that because as a viewer, like I said, I haven't necessarily seen a lot of these movies. I'm familiar with them. I haven't seen them, but you're not, you're giving me just enough to get me interested for me to go check it out myself. You're not spoiling everything for me and it's perfect and it, and it works and it flies perfectly. Oh, and, and I appreciate that. Yeah. You know? We're guilty. We're guilty of spoiling a couple of things. And some people get mad sometimes. <laughs> but I, I, I do have a, you know, they, they, that's another one of those sort of tightrope elements of making these movies is that there's some movies where there's some really iconic moments, but they're incredibly spoilerific. And, mm -hmm. uh, and there's, or, or, you know, there's only so much going on until this brother, a moment that you really have to include, or at least allude to, I would say out of all of them, the hardest one was uh sleepaway camp. Um, I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, and we just watched that's that last the big one, 31 yeah. days of Halloween. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm if, if I can pat myself on the back, I'm pretty proud of how we presented that because yeah. we kind of brought it to the brink of revealing what it was, but didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, didn't get and, there. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering because when they had when when I saw that came on, I was like, "Oh, let's are they going to show?" Because at the beginning, right, I'm like, "This is a documentary. Let's see how it is." Oh, yep, they're they're showing nudity, no problem. That's not going to be a problem in this in this documentary. So when we saw I saw Sleepaway was on here, I was like, "Hmm, is this going to show? Is this going to show?" <laughs> no, no, no. Good, 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 good. Yeah. So we're so we as as you know as we were saying, this show follows the documentary. Right now, we are in 1982. Um, we just saw Poltergeist. We took a break to do the 31 days of Halloween. So we mm. did 31 movies across all days. We're going to watch them all and then just kind of summation of, uh, of each week, talk about them. But then we're right back into it. But what you were saying, Jim, you said something about like it gave you just enough to get you interested in it, but not enough to give mm -hmm. it away. And I would have to say one of the things that surprised me, and I didn't expect it for somebody of a younger generation, is that um, when you saw Cat People, you mm. just fell in love with this film. You felt like this oh, was I such a great film. And typically people of your age would look at this and go like, what is this? Do you know what I mean? But it goes yeah. to show that this, the documentaries put, uh, put together well enough to intrigue you, right? Mm -hmm. Get you invested in, let me check out this 80s horror. And then you see something like this and it's, it's that finding the diamond in the rough. And that's the beauty 
there's so many movies in this documentary and the following chapter that I haven't seen. I've seen a lot, but not all of them. So, man, I'm just so excited to see those ones and see if I can't have that same kind of moment you had. And I think that's important with what you guys are doing with these documentaries. There are there are a bunch of movies in uh, in this film that uh, are absolute favorites of mine that aren't aren't necessarily the really well known ones, but to me. They're just like they're, they're indispensable. Like the hunger for me is one of those. Uh, I've always been a huge fan of the hunger and, and Tony Scott's. Uh, you know, you've got you know Catherine Deneuve, you've got David Bowie, you've got Susan Sarandon, and it's incredibly stylistic. Uh, and I was I was I just love that beginning to end. And, you know, the first time I ever heard Bauhaus and Bela Lugosi's Dead was from that film that introduced that to nice. me and, and to Bauhaus. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I, I was, I, it's in, in my world, everyone knows about the hunger and I don't say, Oh, everyone yeah. knows it. How do you not know? I'm not yeah. one of those types of folks, but it was, it was interesting and refreshing for me because I was just like, Oh wait, I, there's lots of people who are discovering this movie for the first time who didn't know it existed, you know, that or like fade to black, you know, oh, Dennis yeah. Christopher. Yeah. You know, um, I, 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 I'm a, one of my all time favorite films is, is breaking away you know, which is not a horror film, you know, starring Dennis Christopher. And, uh, you know, his career afterwards got very interesting. And the fact that he did do Fade to Black afterwards, uh, which was very dark in comparison to this very, very warm hearted film. Uh, I have always appreciated the range that he's got, you know, based mm-hmm. on that film. If anything, I didn't give enough time to that film. But, you know, oh, yeah. is that is that a case? Is that the case at times where you're just like, oh, I really wish I had put more time into this one or maybe I wish I would have given this information or this fact? You, the real answer to that question uh, is 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 not a simple one. Uh, and I won't bore you with with the, the real minutia of it, but it all comes down to a mathematical equation. Uh, if you if you want to include. You, we can only make a four and a half hour film, uh, including credits, give or take, um, literally because that's all a dual layer Blu-ray disc will hold. Otherwise, the, there's there's image de- degradation, degradation and uh, not degradation, de- degradation. <laughs> and um, and the thing is, uh, it all kind of started as a crowdfunded project where we never expected to make a four hour movie in the first place. But the structure really demanded it because uh, uh, Robin Block said, I really want to go year by year, movie by movie. And I said, there are hundreds of movies that came out in that decade, you know, and even if we do as many as we can, it, it's still going to get uh, it's going to feel a bit repetitive if we don't break it up with larger context chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for a lot of these films where we just can't give it its due, at least we can give it its due in a larger context chapter with, you know, a verbal reference or a visual reference or a nod or some sort of something. I mean, that's the origin of all these posters. Uh, when you go and you sort of fly around from poster to poster to pick a movie within each year, the whole idea behind that was to show that there's so much more than we can show, but mm. look what's out there and we'll go land on fade to black, but you yeah. can see all the other things that came out that year. Um, I love so- that you did that. I love that you did that <laughs> because here, this is, yeah. this is how obsessed I was with your documentary. No lie. Like after I decided I wanted to do the podcast on it, the second part hadn't been announced yet. So I, I went through and watched the movie for like the sixth time straight. And I took the time to sit down and write every single movie you guys focused on each year. Then I said, 
let's do like when we we're going to run out of this at some point, right? We're going to need more movies. So I started pausing the screens and looking at all the posters that weren't mentioned in there and started making a second list of movies. Just like, okay, we're going to have to watch these ones next. But then thankfully we had a second part and we have a third one coming just kicked off. Well, well, I'll I'll help you. I'll help you cheat next time. Just go to the end credits because every single poster is listed. Oh, look at that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just print screen them, right? That's awesome. Very nice. So I'll save you some work next time. There you go. It's literally all there because we we credit everything. Yeah, awesome. uh, But uh, when we first were making this, I was just like, we're not going to be able to get all of it, you know? Uh, And so it kind of goes back to your question is like, uh, think about it. When I sit down and I talk to 50 people, um, not everybody knows everything about every film. A lot of people are there to talk about only their own stuff and maybe one or two favorites that they've got. And then you have some you know, experts who uh, just really love the genre and they could talk about what they want to talk about. But even then, it's not like I, you know, I, I show up with a list, but people either know what they know. And so, you know, halfway through the the interview process, I'm like, all right, I need more of this film or I need more of that film or too many people talked about this film, but not enough people are even even mentioning this one, especially when I say, what about this? And they're like, yeah, I can't remember much, you know. Um, And so it's like there's a certain element of of how much do we have at the end of the day for Fade to Black? You know, and a Phil Noble Jr., when I ask him, hey, what do you, let's talk about Fade to Black, and we talk about a couple of things, we even don't have the time to spend much time on that because we have this list, laundry list of, of, you know, if you think about how much time it takes just to get an interview where people talk about 10 movies in depth, mm-hmm. how long is that going to be? That's going to, it keeps on going long. The average interview I do is probably anywhere between an hour or two. Some people are gracious where they go three hours, you know, but even then you're still not going to be able to hit every single movie and get all of the details and all the nuances and all the themes and all the stars who starred in it and all the plots. And and so at the end of the day, I'm putting this all together and I say, well, what good stuff did I get? from you know for fade to black and and can i craft a a a brief but effective story to introduce people to this movie and give them enough to go on where if they want to discover it themselves they can whereas other films i'm just like i know we haven't gotten up this that and the other thing in subsequent interviews i'll make sure we get it but uh you know there's always a ticking clock for all the stuff we do. So I said, I didn't want to bore you, but I decided to bore you anyway with the nuance. <laughs> That's not boring at all for hey. me. I mean, I was, yeah. here's the thing. Like I said, I told Jim, I, I would like to keep this more conversational. I don't want to be the guy that's just like, so how long does it take you to do the interviews? How many people did you interview? Who was your favorite? <laughs> you know, because I mean, I'm sure you hear the same stuff over and over from who was your favorite person to interview? What's your favorite movie? But you know, so it doesn't bore me when you get into this stuff for me, it's fascinating. Yeah. And if it fascinates me, hundred percent it's going to fascinate a million other people that are going to listen you know what i mean well, like a million people listen but i'm you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> oh my well, going God. back to the numbers it, it all at the end of the day it all becomes a numbers game because i'm like well how many uh if i want to give the shining more time than fade to black uh it deserves it you know um and uh, so but even then i can't do everything for the shining but i'm going to give the shining four or five minutes versus fade to black where it's a minute and a half or two minutes you know yeah. uh, a lot of these movies are three minutes but even then if you want to put a bunch of films within a year 
And then you start multiplying that uh, 65 to 75 films. And how long are those each individual films? And then you multiply that by 10 chapters plus an intro plus a conclusion. Yeah. And you want those larger context chapters to be more than five minutes. They're usually seven to 10 or 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. And even then they're too short. And then you get to the end of the day where you have a rough cut that's five, six, seven hours. And you're talking to someone who's, who's facing that right now with uh, In Search of Tomorrow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> too much good stuff and i i just have to take a very sharp blade and kill some babies this weekend oh, man but, but not literally was... not literally figuratively no is but that, kill your darlings is that when you say okay well that's great because now i have enough for a second part or you know maybe there's not enough maybe we have director's cuts we have an extra disc that comes with this special edition and you, you know we can give you extra stuff you know all sorts of options, which are very good. Uh, yeah. When we did in the first In Search of Darkness, um, we had no idea how that was going to land. I mean, it's, it, it blows my mind that we just are started. A, we're in the middle of a crowdfunding campaign now. Go to 80shorrordoc.com yes. for In Search of Darkness 3. But the last person who ever expected to do part three is me. I never expected <laughs> to do part three. I'm amazed and 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 and. Uh, you know, rarely do I use the word gobsmacked, but that fits completely. You know, I mean, who, I'm gobsmacked. I can't believe that people, especially even after part two, were just like, I could watch these all day, every day, do a whole series, do all different decades, keep going, 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 going. And it, it's the ultimate encouragement. But, uh, you know, going back to the question for In Search of Darkness Part One, I had no idea what was going to happen with all that additional footage. I just knew that I wanted to get as much as I could. So I had a movie to craft. And uh, so it really did allow, especially when we did In Search of Darkness Part Two during a pandemic, uh, and we couldn't get as many new interviews as Mm -hmm. we wanted or hoped, and we didn't even know we were going to do a part two. I was able to craft a, a large amount from additional material that just wasn't used for part one. You know, and depends on how you look at it. You know, there are some people who might say, oh, well, that's the stuff that didn't wasn't worthwhile putting, you know, in part one. But but truthfully, it really just there was so much good stuff. There was no way it could go in part one, because if you think about it, you know, we had uh, we had just 47 people for the first one. And each interview is one or two hours. Uh, and And you take even the best of that stuff. And you multiply it by how many interviews, and then you get a four and a half hour film that's full of clips. Mm-hmm. There's a tremendous amount of, of material that is is untapped, and I was able to shape a lot of part two with the the tangents and conversations and and movies that we didn't even get to put on screen for part one, and 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 add on top of that with a bunch of new interviews. So yeah, there you go. So no, it was great. I thought it was brilliant, and and I you know for me. I didn't even look at it that way. When I saw it, it was just like, wow, we have so much more to go into. And the fact that there's just so much more and and a lot of it, like, so in part two, you really delve into stuff. That's not the top, a lot of the top name movies. Um, You're looking at a lot of the Italian movies are in this and, you know, just more recently getting into Italian films. 
Um, you know, I just re- got my shutter, my shutter subscription again. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're loaded in there. So I started really, and I was like, what is this genre? I've never heard, of? even though I love horrors, like I've never paid attention to. And so to have an, a whole documentary that has a whole segment and discusses that stuff and the importance of that in this genre, you know, in horror. Uh, yeah. I think I looked at this more of, uh, thank God we have another treasure trove and I'm excited for the third part. So yeah, listeners, 80shorrordoc.com. That's seriously where you need to go because uh, oh, I can't wait to watch this next one. I, I can't wait I, to I, see I, what movies you guys pick for this next one. Me too, because you guys are picking them. You guys are picking them. We have we have a bunch that are they're carried over from part two that didn't make the cut, and I won't say what they are. Um, but uh, a large swath of them uh, is literally going to be chosen by oh, the awesome. audience. Um, but going back to you know the, the the footage that was unused, my idea is essentially when you put this all together, especially with three films now, but even with two, I wanted it all to feel like one big long film mm-hmm. um that you could obviously watch in in one city if you chose to but you know you could pick it up and, and <laughs> drop it off whenever you wanted to so to me it all made sense just to have a continuation of, of a majority of the footage from the first one we, we we did some new interviews because we were able to fit them in you know with like kane hotter or cassandra will you know uh cassandra peterson um you know elvira for part two you know uh, uh bill mosley a bunch of folks but uh uh, the idea is it's it's this one long collective tale, uh, and it all fits together. And it doesn't like <laughs> the running joke though with Phil Noble is that he's his beard in the first one. He doesn't have a beard in the second one. So let's, <laughs> maybe he'll go half beard for the third one. And we'll just put more football together. It's bringing the handlebar mustache. <laughs> yeah, but the idea really is that uh, uh, there's so there, it, there's just so much material out there. Uh, I, I was going to say also, you know, you said with the Italian stuff, um, I, I made a very difficult decision for part one, again, not knowing if I was going to do more, but hoping I could. Uh, I made a very diff- difficult decision because it's such an overwhelming amount of material just to stay with North America and North American films or English speaking films. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's I, I chose not to do all those Italian movies and, you know, any other, you know, Australian movies and so on and so forth. Japanese European films. Um, It just because it's, it's all over the map. There's just so much to do, you know, in the back of my mind, I was crossing my fingers that I'd be able to get to do more. And and part two allowed me to sort of open, open that back door and let those guys in. Uh, And I was very happy to be able to do that. Uh, And I took a lot of flack for that, for part one as well. And then part two, people said, oh, well, no, it makes complete sense. So (laughs) as if it was planned. (laughs) But part three, part three is going to be great because what we're doing with uh, this community element of what we're we're doing at at Creator BC is that uh, ever since part two, where we realized that this is a very, very devoted, passionate community, a horror community that loves these movies and, and, and circles the wagons around the homely little children that we've all grown to love and saw in the basements that we probably saw too early and shouldn't have, you know, and <laughs> mm-hmm. like tapes, all that kind of stuff like that. The, the fuzzy cable when mom and dad were downstairs. Keep for it me, going. sometimes it was when you got the the cable subscription for free all of a sudden for the right? week. And now all of a sudden mm-hmm. I had HBO and Cinemax in my room and I'm and watching Silence of the Lambs. of blank tapes and you, 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 yes. you, you recorded them all. I know. And then you exactly. went back to school. Guess what I have? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and your friends were like, oh, really? Right. Oh, yeah. And it's not the TV cut either. Well, this what, it, 
the fight by the fans for the fans concept really is is true in terms of us um the the one thing that brings a smile to my face and pain to me at the same time is everyone says i'm so happy you did this i wish you had done that movie you know and it oh, goes yeah. back to i i can't do them all and i'm right. sorry i mm-hmm. didn't get yours mm-hmm. but this time around uh you're going to be able to write in and vote and 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 collectively choose how insane you want it to be you know That's so awesome. if you want straight to video you know the, the ripper or things or you know wood chipper you know this or <laughs> microwave massacre that you know it's yeah. just like you know by all means let's let's dive into them and, and talk about why we love them and we all know that they're not like Oscar winners, but they're important to us for different reasons. You know, they, they all, yeah. I always go back to humanoids from the deep as, as my weird movie <laughs> that to me means a lot to me because I saw that at a friend's house. I saw that on HBO. I saw that in an afternoon when the parents were out and we, that was like racy, racy stuff. Oh yeah. But the, but the horror and the gore, uh, Steve Johnson worked on that. It was so good. And and so much more impressive than I ever expected it to be. And um, I always go back to that because it's got the dopiest title. It's clearly just sort of like a, <laughs> a, a awful rape fantasy film. But it's Basically. like, but I saw that as a kid and it, it made a serious dent on my, my, my mind. And um, we all have movies like that, that we, we probably shouldn't have seen, but we saw them anyway. And, oh, for sure. and they screwed us up in the best possible way. And, you know, I'm all I'm, I I I saw Halloween, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween on a tiny little black and white TV all Same. by myself when my parents were out to who knows where dinner or something like that. I was a latchkey kid. I put it on there. It was on a TV. Scared the living absolute crap <laughs> out of me. And 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 I've always returned to it to to deconstruct it so I could understand what scared me and when, and so I could watch it again and not be scared. And and get film school in the process subconsciously. Nice. And I think we all have that story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Jim, did you? I, I feel like I'm kind of. Uh, oh no, like that's fine, dude. I'm monopolizing the the conversation here. Did you have anything you wanted to bring up or discuss? Uh we touched on everything you wanted to. Uh, basically, like I said, I'm just here for for conversation. Jump in when I want. I have something to put in. What's and, the What's yeah, the yeah. What are the the top two films that Ooh. have not been covered yet? Uh, that you'd want to see in part three. Oh, not covered. Um, And and I I don't expect you to know every single movie that's in part one and part two, but like the the sort of bottom shelf, underbelly, straight to video, or even the ones, you know, that uh, theatrically are a little sort of left of center. You know, what what comes to mind? Maybe there's one one that's rough. What is it called? One I can think. Is there one called Sledgehammer? It's really rough. It's a, there's a rough... (laughs) Is that what it's called? Sledgehammer? I can't remember the name of it now, but it it literally looks like somebody just has a handheld camera and their friends got together to film something in the house and they were probably all drunk and high at the same same time. It's like, it's that bad. I'll have to look it up. I can't remember the name of it. I feel like it's like Sledgehammer or something like that. Sure, sure. That's a rough one. Serpent in the Rainbow. That was one. After I saw the first one, I was wondering if it was going to be touched upon in the second one and it wasn't. So that is one because uh, I love the whole the whole 
Caribbean aspect of it because that was mm-hmm. huge. I went to college for uh, archaeology and anthropology, and I wanted to do um, underwater archaeology in the Caribbean. So that that whole movie is just right up my alley with voodoo, and and I love all that. So absolutely so tie in a well, horror movie to all that. Got all I can so, say is is I've been trying to get that one off the ground, and I just haven't gotten the best amount of material to present it just yet. Uh, gotcha. And, and I've been one. I've been you know chasing after Bill Pullman. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one though Maybe man. one day he'd be interested in talking about it so uh we'll see but uh that's definitely at the forefront and that was a theater that was a you know it's a west craven film that was a wide theatrical release mm-hmm. at the time i never saw it in the theater because it looked scary as hell um uh, there are a bunch of films that uh i only saw later like many of us you know i finally got the the courage either to rent it, you know, off the video shelf or, you know, it came on cable. And I finally said, all right, I'll watch a little bit of it, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause it, it just, that one just felt too real that, you know, there's certain movies. Oof. My, my, my kryptonite is like Texas chainsaw uh, serpent in the rainbow. These ones that feel real. <laughs> yeah. Maniac. It's more like maniac. a documentary. Yeah. Yes. Maniac. maniac. Yes. Cannibal Holocaust. They are oh, like, cannibal did Holocaust. these really oh. happen? I'm sure they didn't, but they sure feel like they did. And they're, they're keeping me up at night afterwards. I'll tell you, it's yeah, thanks to the doc. Death, yeah. yeah, it's it's thanks to your documentary that I I've grown to appreciate Maniac. I'd never seen it, but watching it, I mean, I was floored by just how good it really was, how gritty it was. And uh, Jim and I were lucky enough; one of the theaters in our area uh, actually played it like a month ago, and we were just so happened to see it was going to be playing, and we got to actually enjoy watching it on a big screen. And it was just, you know, and that's the thing about like like you were saying, Jim. You know, you come to appreciate these films. Maniac yeah. is one of them. Like. I couldn't believe how good this movie was. Uh, the Burning was another one too because I remember oh, I remember yes. the Burning from a kid watching it on TV and then watching it again as an adult after seeing the documentary. I was just like, man, this is really really good. I can see people looking at it as of a ripoff, but I'm like, man, this is just there's so much just goodness in that film, man. Well, these are these see, are the, the Tom Savini specials. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But you know, these for me personally, they go back to like. Uh, Maniac was I knew I knew everything about that from reading Fangoria because they just had all it was all you know they had a big article and a spread about that and I just looked at that it was so realistic looking in in the horror and the splatter of it all that uh, I was afraid of it I was afraid of it for a very long time when I finally saw it I built it up it's to be so intimidating in my mind I I quite enjoyed it because I was relieved. <laughs> oh, it's not I was so bad. That it wasn't like the most horrific thing I'd ever seen. I'd seen worse. Did you ever see the so remake, I, uh, the Elijah Wood remake? I did, and I will say that uh, I just first of watched all, it. Oh, ah, well, I, I, Elijah Wood. Kudos to him. A lot of people may not know this, but uh, you know, Frodo himself is is the ultimate horror. Nerd, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. he produces. And stars in a lot. Uh, he's part of a lot of horror-related stuff, and he creates a lot of indie stuff that's wonderful. Uh, I, when I was at Entertainment Tonight, I actually got to interview him for Maniac, uh, oh, which really? was super cool. Interesting. Um, my personal takeaway from that is that um, uh, I was just comparing it to the first. So yeah, I found myself doing that. I did. I did find myself doing that. 
I I think the soundtrack is absolutely superb. Oh. Because oh, the soundtrack God, to me yes. is is a callback to Giorgio Moroder and Cat People, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. it's a synth score that I think is is absolutely superb. And 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 I think kudos to the film itself that it, it's different enough from the original Maniac, yeah. despite having the same framework story wise. Mm-hmm. That uh, if you put them side by side, it doesn't feel like they're trying. It does feel like they're trying to do something a little different. Yeah. yeah. The one thing I really enjoyed in that, uh, I mean, like, it was like, it's not bad. It's not. But when you're trying oh, to, come, no. when you're, when you've seen Maniac and you're watching it, you really get this fit sense of like, oh, that's not what they did in Maniac or they didn't own this. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But one of the things I loved was there's a scene where they show his reflection in the car and it's literally the poster of the original Maniac, the way he's holding the scalp <laughs> yes. and holding the knife. I thought yes. that was so awesome. Such a cool school, cool little yeah, nod to the they, original. They have their little Easter egg nod. Yeah. It was yeah, cool. that. Was, that interview that i had for with uh uh with um elijah wood was um it was just that was an eye-opener for me because i didn't know him i don't know him personally i didn't know who what he's what he was about and i it was an eye-opener for me because he was so incredibly knowledgeable about the genre that's and awesome. incredibly well-spoken and incredibly enthusiastic about all of that. And I, that, like all these interviews that I do for these movies, it's, it's an absolute treat when I get to sit with someone and I realize that they're just a, a nerd and a fan for all this stuff too. And when their knowledge runs deep, you know, I, I always go back to Caroline Williams uh, interview. Um, you know, I've always respected her, but I didn't know her. And when I sat down with her, I, I couldn't believe that she was just a wealth of knowledge about the genre. And so that's incredibly awesome. articulate about it. I was just like, she's like my secret weapon for this film. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's very cool. David, I know you're super busy. I don't want to keep you all night. We could literally keep you talking forever. This is just so much <laughs> stuff. Like the stuff that we, that, that you get, you guys are doing. It's amazing. It's only um, fair if you hold me four and a half hours to talk about the first. Then yeah. Right. The and then we, get you back again yeah uh but yes yeah, so everybody out there make sure to to, to go to 80s um there you can to can start to support the third uh ver- the the third installment in this in this series and the option is there to get the first two as well if you haven't gotten them and if you haven't gotten them why are you listening to this anyway uh, two, uh, two things that i'll say uh, about this uh it runs until halloween yes night um well i'll say one you get to really participate in this one more than you have in the previous two in terms of uh the the kind of movies that you really want to see in this movie you literally have a voice for that which is a super cool i don't know who else is offering that up um yeah so that's a a very big part of it and then like the other films which is uh, a super cool element is that you get to have your credit you get to have Mm -hmm. your name in the credits in this movie. that is awesome that I'm very happy to say I have my name in both both of them as well. Actually, nice. my name is my name's on on there twice in the first one. So I bought one for myself and then my buddy saw it and bought one for me for Christmas. But he, so one of them is Chris Chavez, the other one's Christopher Chavez, but I'm on there oh, twice. Nice. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little super secret idea that you could accept or reject if you want to promote your podcast, just use that as your credit. Oh, we might be hey, doing we might be purchasing yes. another one then. That would be awesome. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I've, I'm not kidding. You man. can put this anything is... you'd like. So yeah, if you want to. That's put, great. Here we go. Um, and then yeah, there is In Search of Tomorrow that's in production at the moment. So people who are in, you know, sci-fi is your thing. Maybe horror, not so much, but 80s sci-fi is, is, is right up your alley. There's going to be something for you too. Um, I have mm-hmm. also seen on Twitter, people have been really, really pushing. They're like, when are we going to get our 90s one? When are we get our 90s one? And the response from the official uh, In Search of Darkness Twitter is, 
maybe <laughs> it's possible, <laughs> you know, keep dreaming because, hey, you know, who knew we were going to get a second installment or a third? So uh, yeah. if, if we get a 90s one, it's, we're just going to have to have a spinoff podcast series to talk about that one as well. Yeah, well, I cannot confirm or deny other than the <laughs> fact that we definitely want to do it. Uh, but we are uh, we have a, a small group and, and these movies nice. take a lot of time. So I'm if sure. you guys have the patience, we've got the drive. That's all Ooh, I can say. Awesome. Hey, we got the patience. Absolutely. Yes. Um, David, is there anything else you'd like to promote or tell people to find you? Any social media, anything like that before we head out? No, no. I well, Yeah, I know. And yeah. Right. <laughs> Shame, I'm, 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 it's late in the day for me. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that you have put together a whole podcast devoted to the inspiration that the first film gave you and the idea of the first film gave you. So kudos to you guys. I think that's wonderful. So please keep on doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. If you guys are, if, if anyone out there listening is, is interested in finding out more, just check out our socials uh, at eighties horror doc.com eight zero S and then there's eighties sci-fi doc as well. Um, it's not going to be too late to get involved in either. And the current uh, campaign that we're doing for in search of darkness, part three goes until Halloween. So go to eighties horror doc.com for that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Again, David, I got that we, out without stumbling it over. We really appreciate you coming on, man. Like I said, you know, this this show doesn't exist without that that uh, documentary, and and even if it did, it would be a completely different format and not be inspired in such a way. So the work that mm-hmm. you're doing, the work that all the other creative folks at uh, Creator VC are doing, man. You know, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our yes, hearts. Absolutely. Um, thank you know, you. and we hope, you know, if if you, you enjoyed it, maybe we'll have you again on the future for anything else you have coming up. You're you're more than welcome at any time. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Well, maybe when uh in search of tomorrow finally gets out there. There you go. Uh, I'd be happy, happy to talk about it if you want to hear. Awesome. It. Oh, for <laughs> sure. It's good to us. For sure. All right, listeners, thank you so much. We appreciate you listening this week, as always, for this special episode. Uh, we'll see you on the regular format next week where we're talking about our week in uh, 31 days of Halloween. We'll see you guys next time. And as always, remember, keep your eye on the shadows. <laughs> <laughs>